Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast, Kevin A.C. Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune, my boss, Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Just got uh, finished. We're halfway through with a homestand here. A tough one. Three against the Red Sox. Arguably the, you know, I mean, one of the top three offenses. And then uh, in the major leagues. And now in come the Dodgers. Uh, forever, for as long as Fernando Pepin has been alive, it seems. The Dodgers have uh, ruled the National League West. They are one of arguably uh, the top three four offenses, uh, depending on what you value. And, and, and Jay, um, yesterday, Padres in a very, very, very weird game, especially a weird win. The Padres salvaged at least one game from this three-game series against the Red Sox. What did you think? It was a weird series in the sense that the <laughs> Padres gave up the first 15 runs of the series. And, you know, they I guess they out, they outplayed the Red Sox after that. I mean, you don't want to – I don't want to say that and sound like, oh, yeah, great, you're taking – you know, saying they outplayed them, but they lost. I mean, but let's say they outscored the Red Sox after that. Right, and, 11-0, and, and then it was 4-0 to after three and a half innings right, on, uh, on Saturday, Saturday. And then the Padres, uh, uh, well, it was 11-0, and then it was, it was uh, on Saturday, it was 4-0 to after three and a half innings. Am I correct? Yeah. They, they lost that game 5-4. to four, Right, and, I mean, the bullpen. And then won yesterday 3-1. Right, the bullpen was, was outstanding. I mean, they gave up, uh-huh. the bullpen gave up only one run in the last two games of the series, and that was Kirby Yates giving up the home run to to Brock Holt on Saturday night, which happened to cost him the game after they had fought back to tie it at four. And then yesterday, uh, a strange game. The Padres up three to nothing after the first three batters of the first inning and then never crossed home plate again. And you're thinking, well, they're never going to beat the Red Sox with three runs. But they did, and Lucchese was good for five innings and was taken out at obviously the right time. As, as things played out and the bullpen came through uh-huh. came through again, including uh, Munoz in a huge situation in the eighth after he, he got in some trouble with a really soft single to start the inning, an error by Machado, then the, the probably the hardest hit ball of the inning, which produced a double play, you know, so that evened out. And then a walk, and J.D. Martinez comes up as the potential go-ahead run, the guy who just killed the Padres for a couple straight days, and Munoz struck him out for the second straight day, so... Uh, I, I thought it was just, you know, it was fun. It was fun to watch, and Padres made some some gaffes and had some bad luck. I mean, I I'm not sure how many times I've seen a guy run out of his shoe between second and third base the way that uh, uh, Manuel Margot did yesterday. But hey, they got you know the Padres got a win, and and certainly after being embarrassed on Friday night, you know, came back on Saturday and Sunday and and were much better, and now face an even bigger challenge: the team with the best record in baseball, 86. And forty six. Although Kevin, did you know the Dodgers five and five in their last ten? They are they are slumping. I'm... They are ripe for the picket. <laughs> and the weirdest thing is the the Padres have played the Dodgers in played the Dodgers in four series this year. The first one was here, and the next three were in L.A. And now they have two here. The schedule is just so so wacky and different. Yeah, I mean the the Red Sox left. San Diego last night to fly to Denver for games on Tuesday and Wednesday and then they or whatever it is and then they have to fly back to play the Angels in Anaheim after that apparently just having them get on a bus and go to Anaheim was a little too complicated so well you never know what uh what the situation is you know what occurred to me the other day um next year is the traditional Mexico City Chicago Detroit trip that's right that's right yeah. <laughs> 
that'll be uh, that'll be a good one for uh, for your for your airline planning purposes. Uh, let alone pa- let alone trying to pack for uh, for for that one. So. Because it's early in the season too. I mean, we could be the, I don't know what the weather's gonna be in Mexico City. Let me be honest about that, but uh, it could be crazy anyway. It's uh, the, the the craziness of the schedule uh, is, is part of it. I want to talk about something uh, yesterday, um, and then maybe we could use that to get into something that we we both wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it revolves around Andy Green. And so yesterday, after seventy three pitches, and and Joey Lucchese is allowed. Three hits, one of them run single, one of them J.D. Martinez's home run. J.D. Martinez's third home run, his second on an inside uh, pitch. I don't know. Uh, was a, a churve, and, and uh, Paddock on Friday was a – but it's, it's one of uh, it's where J.D. Martinez hits balls, okay, out of the ballpark. Right. So on a good pitch. But anyway, so what I'm trying to say is he'd walked to, given a three hit, um, pretty good day, 73 pitches. You, he takes him out. Andy Green takes out Joey Lucchese. His bullpen is set up, man. Uh but you got to be thinking, wow, the Dodgers are coming. Oh, man, Andy Green has talked about letting his guys battle through stuff. I bring it up to say that there just is no blanket way to judge these decisions. This was, I thought it was familiar. However, bullpen was set up. Joey Lucchese has a 9-2-something ERA in the sixth inning. J.D. Martinez had just crushed him. Uh, Lucchese has historically struggled in the sixth inning, even though he's – I mean, the third time through the order, even though he's been better this year. Uh, it's still his, obviously, worst time through the order. Uh, and then it, it worked out. Um, had it not worked out, it was still the right decision. It, it depends on how the bullpen's doing, who the pitcher is, the opponent you're facing, who's due up. It was the heart of the order. Um and that's just, I don't know what you thought of the move, um, but I, I, I thought, you know, this is a good time to talk about. There's so many variables to go, and you can't just say, oh, there goes Andy Green again, taking a guy out after five minutes. Well, and the, and the funny thing about you saying that is that I, I, I see more criticism for him letting guys pitch mm. through the third time through the order, this magic number of letting a guy, a starter, <laughs> pitch through the third time in the order. I think we talked a little bit about it last week. You can't take every starter out in the regular season before he faces a team three times through the order because then you're you're asking your bullpen basically to pitch half of every game and you just can't sustain that. But I think there are times, as you pointed out, you can't make it a blanket rule that Joey Lucchese is going to come out the third time through the order at, when it comes up every single time or he's not going to mm-hmm. come out until he's pitched six or seven innings or he's thrown 106 pitches or he's thrown 92 pitches. Every game is different. Every performance is different. Joey Lucchese is going to feel different on different days. He's going to perform different on different days. And this is the same with every pitcher. And there have been other times in the year where Lucchese would have been allowed to pitch the sixth inning because for many reasons, as you mentioned, one of which might have been the bullpen was exhausted uh, or the guys that, that you would want to bring in during for to face the, a team like the Red Sox, you know, weren't available. I don't think you're going to do that if if you've got guys in the bullpen that you don't trust. Uh, you know, they weren't going to bring in Wingenter. They were they weren't going to bring in, um, you know, uh, Robbie Erlin or you know, like Eric Yardley. And I know he's not here anymore, but people like that. They they had it set up where they wanted. They had their best relievers ready. And, <laughs> In this particular, on this particular day, at this particular time, I th- I thought that was the right move. Now I expected, it's funny, I expected to see Lucchese walk out there for the sixth inning. I I hadn't been looking in the dugout or anything, hadn't really been paying close attention, and all of a sudden I looked up and there's a right-handed pitcher, 
and it's Greg Stammen. And I thought, okay, I have no problem with this move at this particular time. He might make the same move the next time Lucchese pitches or tonight with Eric Lauer pitching or whatever, and you might say, wow, what's he doing? That's a strange move. It does go to show there are just so many variables involved in all these decisions. And the bottom line is the – once the decision's made, we agree, yes, that was the right decision to make. Once the decision's made, those guys still have to get the outs. And it's and it reminds me of the game with the Dodgers, you know, in preparation for our conversation today, you know, refreshed my memory on what happened the last time these teams played. And the last game was that Sunday afternoon game, a crazy game in L.A. The Padres had a 10-7 lead. They had Munoz and Yates to close it out in the bullpen. And both guys were crappy that day. And they ended up losing. Were those the wrong moves to bring those guys in? You know, of course not. Other times, moves are made that you would say, wow, that's a weird move. I don't agree with that move at all. And it does work out. I don't know that that means that the move was correct. You you know, we talk all the time. You can't judge everything based on results. There's process. There's results. And I think in this particular case, the process for taking Lucchese out was, was the right process and this time the results worked out as well i know that you brought up to, to you know that he could do it again tonight and you just you know you did that just more like as a as an example when i think you know he won't do that tonight because munoz has pitched two days in a row right, <laughs> right. so he's not available at 20 years old and a guy that they're trying to protect stammon may or may not be available yates may or may not be available they've both pitched two days in a row uh perdomo i think only one day but you know that uh, it speaks to our point, though, that Lauer could be at 89 pitches uh, and given up four hits and three runs, and the Dodgers could have all of their um, all of their left-handers on the bench mm-hmm. um, because that's what the Dodgers are able to do is sit a guy with 22 home runs <laughs> because that's how they play baseball, um, and so it's like a whole. I mean, it's, it's and believe me. Andy Green, whether you think he's an idiot or not, he's got his reasons. You can think they're idiotic reasons, but he's got his reasons, and he knows a heck of a lot more about uh, the Dodgers because he's got eight people in the analytics department, Darren Balsley, Doug Buckler, uh, you know, in his ear, uh, and he knows who's coming up and all that. Anyway, that's not defense of him. That is simply uh, trying to explain, like, they're all different. But it's well, like, without fail... We're gonna we're gonna question every move, and you know that's part of the fun of baseball. Right, and and tonight could also be a situation where is Eric Lauer, and I, this came up in another game recently, and you, and you guys you mm. talked about this with Green yep. afterwards. I think you know where I'm going. Is Eric Lauer a better matchup against the right-hander that's in the game than let's say Stammen comes in, and now here comes a lefty off the bench, and, yep. and maybe they decide that the, the that matchup is is better so again this is not to say that every move andy green makes is a good one because of course it's not and every move that every manager makes is not is not a good one but you would hope that they have good reasons for it and you know sometimes bad moves turn out well sometimes good moves turn out poorly there's just you know there, there's no way to really know because we don't have all the information uh and the bottom line is it still comes down to guys having to having to get other guys out and sometimes that just doesn't happen i mean look at look at kirby yates i mean he he's lost three games to the dodgers this year. i think isn't he like oh and five his record oh and four oh and four Even, i believe it's oh and four now okay. yeah it's two games to the dodgers isn't it and one game to the red sox no the three to the dodgers and one to the red sox three to the dodgers because it was the two okay. when they played here at petco 
the one okay. I think the one up in LA or maybe that one extra innings and he didn't get the loss but whatever it is Yates has had some some poor performances against against the Dodgers this year he gave up the home run you know the other night I don't know that that means, and and this applies to any manager who brings in his closer at this time. At that point, it's kind of like, okay, I've done what I can. Now it's up to you. You've got to, you have got to get it done here. And you know, if you don't, then you know we lose. And I think Yates knows that. And and Yates has been really, he's been one of those guys that impresses you mentally uh, in the way that you know when things do go bad, like they did on Saturday night. He still had to get out of that inning after the home run to Holt. I mean, they made him work. He threw almost 30 pitches, I think, on Saturday night. Uh-huh. But he managed to get out of the inning without giving up another run. At least gave the Padres a chance, you know, which they didn't capitalize on. And then he came back yesterday and got them, yep. you know, got got guys out uh, right away. So I truly think not only, obviously, is he throwing 93 to 95 with uh, a splitter. And, and you really, if you watch closely, you see how uh, freaked out batters are by that splitter and how 93 then can look like 98 to, right. uh, to them uh, and, and vice versa then the split's like oh I got no chance on this uh, I'm good up for the fastball anyway uh, in addition to that I think that's where it's nice to have a closer who was basically you know one day from being out of the major leagues <laughs> a few years ago right like he's like God, whatever <laughs> uh, I battled back from being on the scrap heap three times um, hey Real quick, Jay, before we get to a little bit of Dodgers, and we'll try to keep this to three or four minutes because uh, we spend a lot of time on it, a lot, um, you know, almost every podcast it seems. But that's okay because it's been on our radar for a long time. That is Andy Green. And, um, you know, look, there uh, there has been talk of, of uh, Andy Green's uh, status. Uh, I think it's fair to say he's on the hot seat. Uh, his job uh, for sure is in a, you know, a state of flux and is being j- uh, judged on a lot of things. Not wins and losses, no matter what the. Uh, management says because what would you expect them to say oh no we don't care about wins and losses come to our games and pay fifty dollars uh <laughs> but uh we don't care about wins and losses so, um there's a lot of things and jay the padres lose 11 to 0 on friday i heard from uh folks both the old-fashioned way email um, <laughs> and uh and you know back in the old days and uh and of course uh, social media uh about it being somewhat of evidence of uh Clubhouse, and certainly, hey, it's my job to say to myself when it's happening, oh, these guys look like crap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's going on? And I've been asking myself this every day, and I've been asking questions around. Well, that's weird, because as you pointed out, Jay, then after they go down 4-0 to zero on Saturday, they come back and they tie the game. And then yesterday, and they, they lost, of course, as we explained, but then they won 3-1. Uh, to one. Weird how they won three games in a row last week. This is not for us to say, oh, he hasn't lost the clubhouse. It's just kind of like saying, Geez, like every day can't be like, well, this is why Andy stinks. Uh, just like it can't be like, hey, this is why Andy's great. Right. Losing the clubhouse is such a complicated thing. Guys, I could go, I could have written 30 times this year that Andy's lost the clubhouse if I was going to base it on one or two guys. That's just a fact. And guess what? I could write it about the Patriots because there's players in there that don't like Bill Belichick. Now, obviously, that would be stupid. But I'm telling you, like, the manager does not have to be loved. He does not have to even be understood by players. Now, what Andy Green will be judged on is his relatability to players. Are the, those players getting better via what the management judges Andy and his staff teaching? Um, and certainly, Jay, I'd love to hear your thoughts. There's things that we can question about how the Padres play. No, that's uh, – I mean, all of that is 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 true. And I, and I, I always wonder what exactly lost the clubhouse means. <laughs> 
anyway, I mean, to me, it would mean that the team is basically, you know, given up, not playing well at any time, sort of mailing it in, going through the motions type of type of thing. And I, I don't think that that can be said about the Padres. I mean, yeah, they have their games where they lose 11 nothing, and then they have moments, like you said, where they they won three in a row the previous week. And, you know, you don't hear about losing the clubhouse when they win three in a row. Uh, you know, one interesting thing I, I found related to how they've played this year, the first half they were 45 and 45, as, as we all know. Their, their run differential during that time was minus 35. That's not the run differential of a 500 team. I mean, they obviously had some, some, some things go their way, and, and maybe it was based on great moves by Andy Green. Who knows? But the second half, they're 15 and 24. Uh, and their run differential is minus 15. If you take that run differential of minus 15 and you extend that out over to 90 games, as the first half was, you know what it comes out to? 34.5. Oh, my goodness. So, you round that up, Jenny, what do you get? Oh, my God. So it's, it's the same. You know, this is the team that they have, and it's, it's an inconsistent team. And, you know, based on – youth or whatever else you want to youth or players that aren't good enough or whatever you want to call it injuries haven't helped but every team has those you know again lost the clubhouse is a strong is a strong term I I don't know in terms of how you said you know the team playing better you know yesterday Austin Hedges tries to go to third base on a grounder to shortstop is that the fault of Skip Schumacher or Andy Green or anybody else in a coach's uniform. Austin Hedges, I'm sure, has known since he was nine years old that when there's a grounder to shortstop and you're on second base, you're not supposed to run. Why he chose to run in that situation, I, I don't have the slightest idea. But I have a hard time blaming the coaching staff for something like that. You know, Manuel Margot runs out of his shoe. You know, that's kind of a freak. That's kind of a freak thing. There are other times where you probably can blame the coaching staff for guys making poor decisions, uh, maybe not knowing where to go with a ball, you know. But, again, I don't know how much of that is – I don't know what kind of emphasis there is in meetings. I, I don't know how anybody would want to be a coach or a manager in any sport anyway and have everything rely on other people following your instructions to do something where they know they're not supposed to do it. I mean, I used to think that with with football coaches when I covered that a lot – and a guy would jump offside in a crucial situation. He wasn't coached to jump offside in that situation. He chose, you know, he happened to do it, and the coach is the one that, you know, ends up paying uh, paying the price. So I think it's such a big picture, and I don't. Yeah. I, I'm glad I don't have to make the decision on on whether Andy Green stays or goes because I honestly don't know what that decision would be, and I I think. This is total speculation now. I'm not sure the Padres know at this point what they have. I'm sure there's things they like. I'm sure there's things they don't. Again, there's so many limitations and so many vari- put on this team, especially the pitching staff, and so many variables that happen. I, I, I don't know what the answer is. The only thing I know, Jay, is that no one's going to stand on that podium if, if it's October 1st, right, or the conference call, uh, you know, and say, you know, we gave Andy Green the team to win, and he didn't do it. Right. That will not be something right. Ron Fowler, AJ Preller says. And I also they think, say, you know, we feel. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just think that they will say, you know, we feel that uh, we need to find someone who's, uh, you know, going to relate more, or who's going to get this across, or we just, you know, we felt like a change was, was necessary. That, that it won't be. You know what? His bullpen decisions were awful. 
Uh, it, you know, it won't be. It just felt like he, you know, should have won with uh, Luis Urias. Uh, you know, that's, that's it. Won't be that. All right, Jay. Now, Dodgers. Speaking of managers who make all decisions, Dave Roberts and the Dodgers come to town. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Decision, by the way, yeah. Every everything the Dodgers do is all is all Dave Roberts. All their wins, every everything that's happened is all uh, is all Dave Roberts. And like, look, Dave Roberts might be a great manager. I don't know. I, I, the Dodgers I, might not know since they don't really let him manage. Yeah, so. I, I just think it, you know he I, he seems to relate to the players really well. They go. seem to play for him. They seem to play sure. for him, which is always a good thing. I think Dave's a great guy. He deals with the media. He deals with a lot of stuff that is the manager's job. Right, right. But and you yes, know, to he, say that the Dodgers are to say the Dodgers are thirty games better than the Padres or whatever the twenty five games better than the Padres. Because Dave Roberts is 25 games a better manager than Andy Green, I, I I feel sorry for anyone who would think that. The Dodgers are are, are as we said they're they're slumping at five and five over the last ten. They are only 34 and 28 on the road. They have not been here since May. Uh, it was so long ago that was the Hunter Renfro walk off uh, slam game was the last game that they yep. that they played here. The game I'm looking forward to more than anything uh, tonight is Dustin May the. Who pitched? I think the, that was his debut when the Padres faced him. He pitched well. I actually, right? I actually thought that I actually thought that he should have come out after four innings in that game, or maybe it was five. I thought they left him in one inning too long, and the Padres took advantage uh, uh-huh. in that uh, in that game. But he pitches tonight against Eric Lauer, the Dodger killer. Uh, I think I think I saw Bill Center uh, tweet today that Lauer has the best ERA among all active pitchers against the Dodgers in his uh, in his career. And then tomorrow night is a tomorrow night's a rematch of Walker Bueller and Cal Quantrill pitched against each other. I think it was the Saturday night game in a game. in LA. It was a good game. Quantrill had a couple bad breaks go against him. Bueller had what was it, fifteen strikeouts and no walks. Um, yeah, it was his second most strikeouts in his second complete game of the year and man, right. that was a gem, I'll tell you. But Quantrill, as we've talked about a little bit before, has been has been excellent since the break. Four and two with a one seven nine ERA, a .82 WHIP, uh, only three home runs allowed, thirty four strikeouts and six walks in forty and a third. So uh, that's a, a game I'm looking forward to. And then Wednesday night, Kenta Maeda, who's been just basically ordinary this year, against who the hell knows for the Padres. Uh, and I'm not sure that's not sure that's a good yeah. Robbie Erlin, Matt Strom, Luis Perdomo. Uh, I don't know. That's that's not a situation. I'm sure the Padres want to be in. But again, that's one of those games where if you were if you were trying to win every single game, you wouldn't have your roster set up like that, where you'd have to have this many games, you know, throwing pitchers like that. But they they are not going to pitch Paddock on four days rest, so Paddock will get until Thursday, and then pitch the first game of the road trip in San Francisco. So that is how it will shake down. And, uh, you know, just like with the Red Sox and I'll get the, uh, I'll get the emails. This is what a good team looks like. It is. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to be surprised tonight when, you know, yeah. I'm not saying the Padres won't win. Uh, they played them much more competitively, uh, Yeah, the Padres are five. Do not be surprised. Yeah, Padres are five and eight against the Dodgers, 
this year. And I guess you could say each, you know, the, each team has had sort of one kind of miracle victory, uh, the, the Renfro slam and, and then the, the Dodgers rallying from 10-7. But the Padres certainly more competitive. They've only been outscored 60-50 to 50 in those uh, in those 13 in those 13 games have only been outscored 60 to 50 the Dodgers outscore teams by 1.6 runs per game through the uh, through the season so definitely more competitive and we've got three more now and then three more the last week of the season so Kevin I will see you out there at the ballpark sometime this week and then we'll talk to you again uh, on Thursday from San Francisco looking forward to it thank you everybody